from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. We need as much money as we can. This is the Press Box. The age difference on this show. With Grady and Bischoff. I'm glad you're the one that went in on the details of how Viagra works. No, come on, I'm feral. Here we go. It's a Thursday, it's been 1100, 100.9 FM. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. We have so much to get to today, we might even go 16 innings. Here we go. The first bite. Is Denzel Perryman <laughs> going to save the Raiders' defense? Well, if he does, they're... I don't know who that is. They have bigger problems than they might already have. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can tell me what you think. They obviously need a depth of linebacker. We're talking about the Divine Diablos and Tanner Muse is like competing for a big playing time right now with all the injuries. So wasn't surprised they made a deal yesterday, but Denzel Perryman's been hurt too. So right. I guess he's fitting in right away. <laughs> That's the part that I find interesting. So so Denzel Perryman, the Raiders, they, they didn't give up much for him. No. They sent a sixth-round pick to Carolina and actually got a seventh-round back. They got Carolina to do what John Gruden Johnny's improving. Does. Right. <laughs> they got the seventh-rounder back. So they just swapped late-round picks. They really didn't give up anything at all for Denzel Perryman. He is coming off his best season by pro football focus grades, right? And he played the last four years under Gus Bradley. There's reason to think Denzel Perryman is a solid linebacker in the NFL. But the weird part or the funny part is that the reason the Raiders are trading for Denzel Perryman is because they've got a bunch of injuries. Nicholas Morrow and Javen White are going to be out for, quote, a while, according to John Gruden. They're gonna That's miss- a long time in the NFL. Yeah, they're going to miss the first game of the season and then probably a lot more. Right. So the reason they needed to trade for a linebacker is because they have injuries. But Denzel Perryman this offseason has had a hip flexor injury and has had a foot injury. He, he has had two different injuries this offseason. So it's kind of strange that the Raiders answer to their linebacker injuries is to trade for a guy that's injured. Yeah, the oh, go ahead, Jared. Oh no, my quick question was, who the hell is Denzel Perryman? <laughs> well, he played four years under Gus Bradley. That and reading the stuff yesterday, that's really the thing that only stood out because he's been hurt. So I'm guessing they're going to say he obviously knows Gus Bradley, knows whatever Gus Bradley wants to do defensively. He's but Gus again, Bradley's friend is that I, the answer? He might be. I he said I guess the foot injury was someone stepped on the foot and he turned it and. So maybe he's ready in two weeks because they do have the week between the 49ers game and when they play Baltimore to open the season. But, yeah, I mean, I, my, it's fine in the trade. Like, I think they're going to pay him under a million this year. It was like uh, Vinny reported like 990000 So that's fine. And like you said, they just swapped picks. It's all good. It's all good with me if he plays. Like, right. he's an upgrade of the Divine Diablos and the Tanner Muses and people like that right now. But – if he's not there on Monday night against the Ravens, I, you know what I mean? It's like, what was this about? Oh, well, I, so here's my assumptions here. The Raiders were like, uh oh, Diablo and Tanner Muse might have to play. Right. Uh oh, we better, we better yeah. get something else here. So they went and found a guy that A, doesn't cost them very much as far as like capital. They didn't, they didn't trade very much to get him. Didn't cost them very much or isn't going to cost no. them very much as far as salary that they're going to pay him this year. He's He's got a contract for next year, too, but it's unguaranteed. And then it's a guy that knows what Gus Bradley runs. So presumably, it's August 26th. They play a game in a little over two weeks. Presumably, this guy doesn't have to cram everything right. Gus Bradley right. wants to do. Presumably, he knows it or at least has a good grasp on it and, and will pick it up rather quickly. 
that's what makes sense here. Is this trade going to make any difference whatsoever? Probably not. I mean, the guy did start quite a bit for Gus Bradley at the Chargers. He was a starting linebacker in like half the games the last four years for the Chargers. But is it going to make a significant difference on this team? Probably not. Because at the end of the day, they're still probably starting Corey Littleton and Nick Kwiatkowski as their two linebackers. Yeah. And like, we don't know what a while means, but if Nicholas Morrow ever comes back during this season, he's presumably ahead of Denzel Perryman and... Javen White might even end yeah. up ahead of Denzel Perryman. So he's effectively a depth signing until they get healthy. I mean, or right now crazy. with the injuries, he's their third best linebacker. Right. And we don't know how healthy he is. Right. And that, I but mean, again, that's the funny part is, is this guy able to play? Yeah. Like, when is he able to play? Like, what if John Gruden, the next time he talks to the media, says, well, Denzel Perryman. It's going to be out for a while. A while too. <laughs> Who's not out for a while? <laughs> is Divine Diablo not out for Well, here's the thing about Divine Diablo. He's been out for a while. Yeah. He was on the pup list. He so now he's not, for a while. He, he's, not, he's not out for a while anymore. He's actually uh, on the field. Um I don't mind, like I said, I don't mind the signing. You're not, you know, you're not paying much. He, he's probably, we said, other than Littleton Kratowski, their best guy right now. And I would have, I guess I would have wanted if I was a fan of their team to go after KJ Wright, but he would have cost a lot more. So um, this gets you someone under a million. And I think, like you said earlier, I think you had to do something. I don't think you yeah. could have said, hey, we're going in and our depth chart at weak side is Corey Littleton and Divine Diablo. I don't think you could say that. I don't think you could. Well, you could say that, but it wouldn't be good. <laughs> I mean, you could say anything. It's just it wouldn't have been good if that was your depth at that position. Um, both Aren't both Diablo and Muse converted safeties? Yes. Yeah, okay. So, so your, your backups were going to be two converted guys that safeties, didn't even play yes. linebacker at yeah. college. So it's fine. They had to do something. I'm, at least Jay White me, the, played Majority linebacker in college. Yeah. Not even really. No, that was the joke. Actually, I thought he played majority special teams. <laughs> he majority was he, played. Was he like a huge special no, teams guy? No. His, his role for the UNLV defense was tackler. Yes. Um, hip flexor of these two injuries, because reading that stuff yesterday, literally, they I, I wasn't making fun of it. Literally, they said someone stepped on his foot. He'll yes, be okay. Was... I mean, I, you know. While played Pretty basketball, good. people step on your foot, and there's a degree of how hurt you are, right? To me, the more concerning part is, and I haven't read enough to know how serious it is, is the hip flexor. Yeah. The foot will heal. It's like the hip flexor could be like a like a bothersome long-term thing that I'm like, hey. I thought he just had the foot, and then I read your roundup, so I went back and read the stories. I'm like, he also has a hip flexor? Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I know. He might be fine, but. Hip flexor will be fine in a while. Yes, in a while. Tyler, where's your hip flexor? On my hip. You have one? I assume we all have hip flexors. No, I thought you I thought you injured your hip. No, I have not injured my that's hip why I thought, That's why I thought Jared pointed at you that you've injured your hip in the past. No. Were you out a while from the show? No. I've never injured no. my hip flexor. No. Uh, he's never injured his hip flexor. Uh, he's never engaged that muscle. Okay. So uh, I thought when he pointed at you, you had some kind of hip injury. Um, no, I just I thought that'd be funny. I mean, I don't think, like, a, the other thing is, and you have on the rundown, which is interesting in that they get a sixth back. like They get a seventh back. Excuse me. They get yeah. a seventh back. They, yeah, they get a seventh back. But, uh, you know, is are they – they kind of moved them pretty fast like here. Carolina, in terms of like, Carolina they just gave signed him, away. him. They just signed yes. him this offseason to a two-year deal worth $6, six million. million. Now, so did they see anything in camp other than right. the injuries? Or now, like, only half of that $6 million was guaranteed. But th this was a free agent signing they made, and they traded him for – Nothing. I mean, right. it, swapping a sixth and a seventh is trading a player for nothing. Like, there's not much difference between a sixth and a seventh round pick. So they gave him away for nothing. Now, 
maybe the Panthers just said, hey, this guy's been hurt, and yeah. somebody's given us a pick for him where he can move up from the seven to the six. We might as well take it, and we don't have to pay him anymore. I, But it is it is a little bit of a red flag that a team would give up on one of their free agent signings this quickly. It's like when the Raiders traded Lynn Bowden last year, the guy they just drafted, and then they traded him away for a worse pick than they drafted him at. It's a red flag. It's like, okay, what what was that? Like, who who gives up on a player that quickly? So it is a little bit of a red flag. Okay, give me the odds. This was Gus Bradley telling Gruden, hey, Perryman played under me. I like him. Let's go get him. Or Carolina not liking him and being in a room say, which coach will give us a pick? <laughs> is it 50-50? <laughs> Look at all across the league, and who will absolutely give us a pick? That Gruden guy tends to do that. Let's call the Raiders. I like to imagine they called each other at the same time. Yes, exactly. Like, like Gus Bradley, being busy. Gus Bradley like, walked in and said, I got a guy, yeah. Denzel Perryman. And at the same time, Matt Rule was in Carolina. Like, <laughs> who you can know? give me a pick? <laughs> I bet Gruden will give us something. He'll give, he'll give us a I pick. I bet. Let's call. Let's call up Gruden and Mayock right uh, now. Both go, they're on the cell phones, both going immediately to voicemail because yes. they're trying to like get a hold of each other. <laughs> and then Gruden has to go to the press conference to talk about Orange Porsche. So finally, someone gets through from the Carolina side. All right. Let's uh, play this audio yesterday from John Gruden. He got asked a question about Max Crosby and John Gruden. He weaves through like six hurdles here that he put in his own way. Yeah, he's wearing a mic today, so you'll be able to hear, you know, everything that, that he's about. And we got we got players wearing mics now. It's great. We're on hard knocks, so uh, you know, there's all kind of rumors out there about trades we were trying to make. Uh, we're a hot story here, you know. Max is doing great, though. To answer your question, he's he's. Um, like I say about Hobbs, he has this this thing about him. It's just it's just fun to be around him. He likes coming to work. His car, he's got an orange Porsche. Who the hell has an orange Porsche? I pull in here, there's an orange Porsche. I know he's in there. I leave at night, orange Porsche is here. He's just, uh, he's a weird guy. He's a fun guy. He's a hell of a football player. And thank God we got him. I wish they were on hard knocks again. As bad as the Cowboys on hard knocks have been. I wish, the, I wish it was the Raiders every year. Unwatchable. Oh, the- spirit weirdest part about that answer from John Gruden he got asked a question about Max Crosby and for some reason decided to call out not by name but call out Vic Tafer for reporting the uh, the Khalil Mack trade rumor like nobody asked Gruden about it and it's almost like he wanted to be asked about it because in a question completely unrelated he was like we're in all these trade rumors he didn't uh Vic was sitting directly behind me and he did not look at Vic when he said no he was looking uh over the other side of the room, I think he was looking at Adam Hill. Did he think Adam? Did he think Adam Hill was, broke the story? Or Paul Goodyear's? Paul Goodyear is like the two were sitting next to each other. So, but he was not looking at Vic, and he absolutely knew Vic wrote the story. I, yes. I mean, oh, he no knew doubt. that. But uh, he did not look at him. Uh, he called on him later in the press conference and said, "Hey, Vic," and answered a question. Would I be the only one that would be interested in John Gruden? Just like they show him. All right, all right. That play, that's spider wide to banana. That media member, oh, Adam Hill. I think they that would be Justin Emerson. (laughs) I'm not sure he's the one with the pumpkin uh, drink. I'm not sure (laughs) if Gruden completely knows everybody because I think what happens in these in these press conferences, a PR person for some reason is writing something down like after each question. Now maybe they're just writing who asked the question in case there's a controversy oh, afterwards. They're taking notes, oh. but I don't know what the notes are. I know what the notes are. Oh, I love this. But I do think it's either about the question because there's controversial questions sometimes, and afterwards he might say, "Hey, what was that about?" He needs to know, or he might be saying, uh, "Question Red Hat Adam Hill." 
question, blue shirt, Ed Graney. Question, big chain, no neck, Willie Ramirez. Question, I mean, I don't know what they're writing for Gruden, but here's, well, here's the thing. They do that, for, it might, might be, they do that for everyone, though. And I think it's more, if the question becomes controversial, then they'll have to go back and tell the person, if they don't know who it is, hey, this is the person, this is why they asked it. I think that's more that, because I think he's pretty sure who everyone is, but it, it is funny in that, uh, he did not look. He knows exactly who wrote the story, oh, yeah, but he did absolutely. not look at him. I love the idea that there is somebody in the media relations sure. department taking notes during the press sure. conference yeah. about the media members, not about. But what we're the, not sure what it is. Well, that's what I'm assuming here. Not about anything the the coaches or players are saying. Just about. Oh the media. no! Oh, I love that so much. We got to get these. It, we got to get this notebook. It can't be about. I don't think it can be about the answers. I think it's more about the questions. We got to get this notebook. I, I it's not even really a it. notebook. It's more just a white piece of paper. That's they fine. We need it. We need it. We need this white piece of paper that says like Adam Hill, moron. Just I, I want them like editorializing what they think of each question. I want, I, I want them giving grades on each question. Pops, huge chain. <laughs> B plus question. Like B plus, I, I just yes. want them grading every yes. question. Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah, That's that an A, a question. question. Ooh, I don't know what you're asking I, right I there. Mean, That's an F. Ooh, I don't two, know what it is. But every two-parter, automatic F. Someone's writing, and uh, it is pretty funny. And I, I think it's more <laughs> apt to – and look, there's not a lot of controversial questions like, hey, you know, what do you think of Max Crosby? Well, he's got an orange Porsche. I mean, it's not – you know, we're not breaking any kind of news here. That's why it's funny because the question was, what do you think of Max Crosby? There's all these damn trade rumors about Khalil Mack. Like, what? He's a little weird, but he's a great guy. <laughs> all right, coming up next – we found out if Ed actually stayed up to watch 16 innings of baseball last night. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Be part of the conversation on the Finley Kia text line at 69187. Finley Kia, come see a Kia on West Sahara. I am fascinated to find out how exactly Ed Graney watched a 16-inning Dodger-Padre game. When you have told us that you will not be watching any of this series live, you will be recording it mm -hmm. and going back and re-watching the mm -hmm. highlights only if the Dodgers win. But this game ended at what? Like almost 2 a.m. Pacific time? Yeah. So how, how did you consume this game? Uh, you're assuming uh, that I watched the whole thing. Because in that way, uh, somewhere from my ESPN app or from Yahoo or whatever, I saw 1-0 in the third. No, no, I mistakenly turned on the TV to that channel. It was 1-0 in the first. My <laughs> wife did. She goes, she was being nice to me. She goes, oh, the Dodgers are on. And turn no, first of all, oh, first of all, she goes, I'm sorry what's happened to the Dodgers. And at, at this she point, it's like 7.50. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, um, it's 3 uh, nothing." And I'm like, oh, that's it. They lost. I go, are you sure? So I had to turn to the channel. It was one nothing. I go, what are you doing? She goes, so that was like 15 minutes ago. Bonnie, that was the replay of the Mets game. So she had me going. She had me like nuts right away. Then I did a bunch of stuff around the house, and I kept I, – I did. I mean, I'll admit to you, I kept like refreshing uh, the ESPN app to see the score. Um, I checked in at the – a batter before Will Smith went deep. Okay. Okay. Did and you, then and you saw Will Smith go yes, deep. Yes. Yeah, high fastball. See you later. Uh, thanks for checking in, Blake Snell. And then um, I picked it up in the ninth. The eighth inning. No, the ninth. And uh, I watched it the whole way. Wow. And, and you, by the way. You survived yes, extra innings? Yes. And Seven by the way, extra innings? Okay, this is the best. After every, literally, literally after every pitch, 
My buddy Ziegler and I are going back and forth. I said, pods are winning. Pods are winning. It's over. It's over. I.O. It's over. Pods are winning. Especially when the – I don't – got. you're going to have to help me. I forget what it was. It was um, the 10th or 11th. I forgot when they were going to tease Machado. When Roberts walked the bases loaded, which was a great thing because Musgrove's coming up and, and that weird CSN Bickford, Jeff Spicoli, blonde surfer guys. I'm like, this this guy. His ERA's like 2-6. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Did you just make a Spicoli reference yes, I did. to yes, I Tyler? Did. Yes. So – I absolutely you might expected. Well thrown that reference just <laughs> out the window. I absolutely expected Musgrove to like go deep at that point. Like, that ah, this guy's hitting a grand slam. But um, so I kept, yeah, I said, to, you'll be surprised that when Pollock hit it, um, I didn't even move. I was so tired at that point. I was like, and then people are texting weird numbers. Like the Padres in two games are like one of like, no, there's six of like 80 with runners and scores. The oh. numbers are just so outrageous right now in these two games. It's like you don't even believe. Like, okay, there's no way they're that they've been that bad, but they, they have been. They went nine innings over the course of that game, nine straight innings without getting a hit. Yeah, it, it nine just, straight innings, and for half of those nine in extras, yeah, they had a runner in scoring position for every yes, single yeah. at bat they had. Tatis finally got one. I will say this for the first two games: if there's anything shocking, it's how they've handled Tatis. Like that, and then he finally got one. Was like that when that when he came up that one inning. Well, I, I'll show you the text. It's over. It's over. <laughs> it was, in fact, the only time I didn't say it was over is when they went up, and then I said, "Oh, they might win." Tatis bomb. Uh, so then it wasn't over. Um, and then Pollock, Pollock is home. But yeah, I watched. I watched until, and then I kind of went to bed. The only thought I had. And I went to bed in like the twelfth inning. I was like, you, "I'm not." You putting checked up with out this. in the twelfth because if it's the Astros, you don't check out. No, neither team could get a hit. Right. What the hell was that? What? What, what was that? The, the whole point of putting a runner on second is, hey, you get a hit and you score a run and right. we can wrap this up. And neither team could do it? I thought of you, and again, I'm losing track of the innings here. And I think it was Hosmer. I think it was Hosmer. Who? Who? It might have been early. It might have been the 10th. Who bunted and Justin Turner caught it? Was that Hosmer? Oh, no, it wasn't Hosmer. Was uh, it Chen with? That or, was the I, same. I don't. That was the same inning that they that they ended up walking the bases okay. loaded to okay. get the pitcher. Okay, so I, I was completely lost. Like by the fifteenth, I'm like, oh my god! But I thought of you. I'm like, he's screaming right oh. now. I told you, you never Listen, bunt in these situations. What the hell is Jace Tingler doing? I know. First off, <laughs> I don't know. I just always wonder why Jace Tingler wears a hoodie. Blake Snell <laughs> over a hundred pitches through seven shutout innings, runs him back out there for the eighth, right. and on his one hundred and sixteenth pitch, Will Smith. Will Smith takes him deep. What the hell are you doing, Jace yeah. Tingler? And then you're bunting in extra innings yeah. with the actual hitter at the plate, and Dave Roberts is like, thanks for the free out. We're walking the bases loaded, and you're going to have to put a pitcher at the plate. Which, by the way, National League, entirely stupid. We got Joe Musgrove hitting in the biggest moment of the hitting entire pitcher. game. His career average is like 129. For a he's, pitcher, he's a good hitter he's, at 129. He's Cody Bellinger. Well. Actually, who got two of the hits last night? I don't know what the hell was that. But he he looked so bad. What inning was it? He looked so bad. Might have been the tenth. Um, on the inside, it, he 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 did a swing last night where it was like my phone blew up. Like, what is he doing in the game? I'm like, don't worry, bets will be activated tomorrow. This guy's got to get the hell out of the lineup. You said that yesterday about bets being activated tomorrow. I just saw a report. Well, someone just reported from last night. Bets is being activated Thursday. It's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> that's today, everybody. That's today. That's today. So, you know, listen, you know how you handle extra innings, Ed? You do what the Astros did yesterday. You get a ground ball back to the pitcher, a moron on second, <laughs> breaks for third, and you throw him out. 
And then you get out of the inning and you get to the bottom of the uh, 10th. You get a hit that's hit too hard to score the runner. And then you hit a line drive off the pitcher's hip and score and then the, you game score the run. run. Yeah. Which, by the way, the Royals pitcher, I can't remember who it was, fielded the ball and threw it to first while the winning run was coming across the plate. I mean, he wasn't going to throw the guy out at home, but he was like, this is a fielder's choice. This is right. not going to be a hit against me. So he threw it to first base to get an out uh, when the winning run scored. I don't know. I'm, I, I think it's impossible to have what happened last night happen. With people yes. like Tatis and Machado and, the, and yes. the, the hitters the Dodgers have, it is absolutely impossible it that is, that happens. It's no wonder the Giants are winning the NL West. Like, that's all I thought while watching that game was like, these teams suck. Is it? Bueller and Snell are no longer dominating. They are going to a new reliever every <laughs> inning. Like, you're complaining Bueller's about Bueller's going to win the Cy Young. Right. And that's, <laughs> it's perfectly fine if you can't score off Walker Bueller. Right. Or but even you, Blake, Blake Snell at his best. Right. But when both teams have to use 76 relievers, everyone who's got an arm is pitched, and you still can't get a run until the 15th. That's pathetic. Is it is it bad that I kind of hoped that we would be on the air and it would still be going yes, on? Yes, yes. It's also bad I'm reading the Dodgers pictures completed the and f- I'm a complete lunatic and don't know two of these dudes. <laughs> Bickford. He knows that one of them went to CSN. <laughs> yes, yeah, the blonde surfer guy. <laughs> you keep laughing. The kid has like the kid's given up like one run in August, and I'm yelling at this guy. I he was warming up. And he's I'm, an I'm, idiot. He's warming, and I'm texting Ziggler. That's okay. Spicoli's in the bullpen. It's over. Go to bed. Who I is go this. Justin Bruhill? All right, Bruhill. I know who he is because he's not very good. And when oh, there's another guy. When he came in, I texted my buddy. Bruhill's in. It's over. His ERA is two two one six. <laughs> you keep thinking all these guys are bad, and their ERA is under three. Ed, hold on. Uh, Tyler, who is Spicoli? I have no idea. It sounds like an Italian cop. (laughs) He's an Italian surfer. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Here's the ERAs of the pitchers the Dodgers used yesterday. All right. 202, that's Walker Bueller. Joe Kelly's at 330. And then you got 209, 275, 240, 266, 216. And then Bruce Dark Gratterall. Well, Gratterall's a complete lunatic, though. He's over three. 3.5. Yeah, he's a, he's a nut And then Corey Knabel, who actually well, gave up runs, is at 4.5. Yes. yes. But you have to get, the Dodgers used, what is that, 11 pitchers yesterday? You have to get to the 10th before you have one with an ERA over four. And the and the Major League average is like 4.4. 4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you keep complaining about these guys, and their ERA is almost two runs better than Meanwhile, the Major League average. you also... Literally have like a murderer's row of people who can hit except for Bellinger. <laughs> have you met me? Of course I'm complaining about these guys. I, I only know My one thing. traded all of our plays. <laughs> Bets will, I think, be activated today. It's Thursday. And I'm guessing after 16 innings, pool host will start tonight. <laughs> Other than that, <laughs> not sure about anything at this point. I, Max, Scherzer's I... probably sit- Max Scherzer's probably sitting there last night going, hey. I got to pitch against Darvish tomorrow. These guys are getting tired. Who's the lineup going to be tomorrow? All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. David is on the East Coast. So were the Padres and Dodgers still playing when you woke up? Yeah, that game uh, was actually the first thing I I saw this morning was Corey Knievel attempting to balk and then (laughs) not being called and then him trying it again. So it's been a weird day already, and uh, it's only like 1030. 
I wish I'd seen the game. I only read uh, Ray Ratto's post about it, which, like all <laughs> well, uh, great yeah. Ray Ratto posts, appears to have been written at like five seventeen a.m. Yes. local time. <laughs> I mean, Ratto's out of out of his mind before midnight. It goes twelve oh one, and uh, I, then it's going to go a little weird. Oh yeah, it's like I was. I'm here. I'm at the Jersey Shore with my family, and seeing what happens with my nephew and niece, like after maybe eight fifteen p.m., is just complete like psychosis, instant onset that then is remedied when they go to sleep. But yeah, Ray is uh, Ray is larger than my nephew and my niece, and also <laughs> requires more rest. And so, yeah, the idea of him having to watch uh, like a <laughs> the H. A. Pollock at bat at two a.m. local time is just not right. Can I make a request from all Dodger fans that the Mets actually win a game here against the Giants? It's going to be very difficult. I'm going to run that one up the chain and uh, see if I can't get something for you there. I kind of thought they had a shot yesterday, but um, they they got the. Um, the Luis, Luis Rojas managerial experience uh, was kind of in full effect, How? which is that's where you just make decisions. Okay. Doesn't matter if they're good or bad; you just got to get executive on it. <laughs> How how disappointing is it to be a Mets fan this year when it looked like they were a legitimately good team, and now they're not even going to end up close to the Braves in the NL East? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, like I've had some annoying seasons. I, I bailed entirely last year. I mean, like this the season didn't feel good and they were terrible this year. It was weird because they, you know, they were in first place, like basically at the trade deadline. And I didn't ever really think they were good. Not in like the neurotic Mets fan, like guy with a chemical imbalance way that I ordinarily bring to this equation, but in the, like, in the sense that they didn't, they weren't hitting, they were hardly, you know, the bullpen was and continues to pitch way better than I would have expected it to. But they were winning games anyway, and I was like, well, this is how it works. Sometimes, like, a team like this, you know, like, when they wind up at full strength, maybe they'll actually be good, but for now, I'll settle for them winning multiple games on, like, walk-off hit-by-pitches. And then, like, they they just never started hitting. And at this point now, it's like, I mean, I don't even know how to feel about it. Like, all these young guys that they had that I would have figured... You know, maybe some of them take a step back. Like, they've all been bad. Except for Alonzo, like, all the guys that I considered to be, like, the core of the team going forward, like, every single one of them is hitting 240. Like, at a punch list, like, weird, frustrated 240. So, I don't know. We'll see how I, uh, I, I mean, I, I, it's been tough to watch them just get pantsed by the really good West Coast teams for, like, a week straight. But I think it was worse when they dropped, like, three of four to the Marlins, like, just because they, like, <laughs> forgot to show up for the game. You know, like, they've had worse losses. The Giants are really good. The Dodgers are really good. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a reminder of the difference between good teams and the Mets. Who would you rather have as your team's owner, Steve Cohen or Jerry Jones? I mean, that is a really good question. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Cohen is what I, I don't want to, like, completely write him off yet, but, like, Boy, he's really just all the things that he does that are like distinctive to him, like getting epic online after losses and <laughs> like uh, I guess financial fraud. Those aren't really that cool to me. <laughs> like <laughs> Jones, at least I had a friend who made this point the other day because we were Jones came out with like it sort of looks like a very like liberated and forward thinking statement on vaccination until you realize that it's just for the players and he doesn't care. Like fans can go in there and just <laughs> scream into each other's mouths all they want. Like, he's not liable for that, and it's not going to impact the team, so he doesn't care. But at least, like, my friend's point was that Jones, like, as sort of creepy as he is, like, kind of like that, like, horny crypt keeper energy that he's got, like, you don't necessarily want that. But if I owned a team, I would probably do the same things that he does, which is, like, micromanage it, 
drink to excess and like go on TV too much. Well, if anyone's watched Hard Knocks and is as boring as they come, just just looking at that campus facility, it's not even like a facility; it's like a mall. Like I'm yeah. Jerry Jones. If I if I could play for anyone, I'm sort of playing for that guy because it appears he'll spend all the money in the world and give me anything I want. Yeah, I mean, it seems like I mean, whatever. Like uh, this is the thing with like NFL owners, even some of the bad ones, is that like they seem. As much as they're all about grinding the players into dust, like broadly speaking, they are like sentimental about the guys that go out there and hurt themselves on their behalf, like in a way that baseball owners, for instance, are not. And so, like, yeah, the, the you're talking about like the Frisco facility, oh, that's the Frisco like, just, like, facility. A private city yeah. just for the players. Yeah, it, it, it's yeah, only it's missing a perverse. roller coaster. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like as decadent and like gross as it is, like it's also in like. Dallas County, Texas, like that can't possibly be the most garish thing there. Like there's people that their private homes are like that, you know, like, so if this is something where like the tight ends and the linebackers can play on it, that counts as inclusive for that region. Yes. Uh, What owner historically would you want to be having like Twitter meltdowns after losses? Because in my mind, it's basically I wish Dan Snyder was on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's exactly what it is. That, like, Cohen, is he, like he's an annoying guy, but he's not, like, by far, he's not the worst guy. I think the really, like, gross owner guys, like, should be posting 24-7, and they're not. Snyder, like, would be, I, he could really be the least popular guy on Twitter if he put his mind to it. Or even if someone got him an account. Like, he wouldn't even really have to try. I think if he just, like, periodically popped in there and was, like, I think sandwiches should be illegal. They're for poor people. Or just like whatever crappy opinions he has. He should be doing that. Is there any chance there's a less popular player, and he's been, I think, this way the whole long way with the pandemic than Cole Beasley, who has now been sent home? Yeah, I mean, he's really, like, made himself the face. I mean, certainly not the only unvaccinated NFL guy, but he's the only one that keeps going on those, like, you know, there's like, it's not just, me, I think everybody probably has like one relative that has like the little camera in their car that they like to do speeches into. Like, I think that's become like kind of a common American pathology. And Cole Beasley does that, like, he does it into like TV cameras. It's not just him like getting on the, the front facing camera on his phone in traffic and being like, I got a couple thoughts about immigrants or whatever. But he, like, him deciding to become the mascot for, uh, like, just it's not even an argument against getting vaccinated. It's just sort of like, I don't want to, and I don't want to do what you tell me to do. And then like, he just kind of, those are his notes. And then he just freestyles off of that. Like, but he's never going to stop doing it. Like, because at this point, I think he's so committed to the idea of being like the unvaccinated slot receiver. Like it's his brand for whatever that is. Like, I don't know what it's gotten him other than sent home, as you mentioned earlier. But I think, yeah, some people just get, they work themselves into these corners and they can't get out of them. Nobody had carved that niche out before. He's a trailblazer. Um, yeah, you got to respect it. Are Not you really. going to be finding a way to stream North Carolina A&T golf now that J.R. Smith is officially cleared to play college golf? So, I mean, I'd, I guess I would be interested in seeing it. I'm more interested in, like, what J.R. Smith's just college life is going to be like. <laughs> like the idea of him going into like the common area He's and seeing the someone through recyclables and the regular garbage and being like, oh, again, terrific. Because like he's J.R. Smith, but he's, he's like a 35-year-old man on a college campus. God, he'd be great so if, he, if he went to Rush yeah. Week, if he was rushing like uh, Lambakai. Lamb- <laughs> That would be awesome. the other, yeah. 
Well, that is definitely like a version of old school starring J.R. Yes, Smith. It's yes. actually a really powerful <laughs> concept. Like the fact that, that no person came up with that. J.R. Smith came up with that. Like that should have been the sort of thing where they're rebooting everything now. Like the yes. idea of just doing it and, and running it back there. Like I think he should get a story credit if they ever decide they to asked, do that. They asked him to do something. He just beat the crap out of all. Yeah, I mean, this is basically like how he would. The another one of my coworkers is uh, obsessed with that game Spike Ball, and she was like, "I think if he played Spike Ball, like, I think he'd be really good at Spike Ball." First of all, the idea of him playing it on the quad is just quad. like him and a bunch of teenagers, uh, and then J.R. Smith, who's got like like his neck tattoos. Like if you look very closely, they also have neck tattoos on them. Just like a guy who spent his whole life living the J.R. Smith lifestyle out there. Uh, doing that with them is it's kind of wholesome actually when you think about it that way i remember in college intramural basketball getting beat like 76 to 20 by like the backup football players that were like let's go play basketball i can't imagine showing up to play intramural basketball and jr smith's just on a team with a bunch of 511 dudes i think it would be great it was just like the, the guys that like live on his hall or what i know he's not in a dorm but for the purposes of my imagination i've decided he's going to live in a dorm I think that would be great, just especially because I mean, if I, am I remembering right that he was one of the guys that went to China during the lockout? That sounds I think he did. right, but I I can't confirm without googling that. I know that there was a lot of guys that did go over there, and it was like absolutely. I mean, the Chinese basketball league is weird; it's like super high scoring and also super violent. But he, I, I think, if it's him that I'm thinking of, like was pulling up from the logo before Steph Curry popularized it, just because like. China and he doesn't care. The idea of like how liberated J.R. Smith's game could get in like playing against hungover guys in a gym, <laughs> like where people are lifting weights nearby in like an intramural setting, I think could be really uh, like avant garde. Uh, I want the vision of him in Beijing at three in the morning, furiously opening his portal to see if he's been accepted to the school. Like having that, por- <laughs> like having that portal where everyone goes in. Like, have I been accepted? Did they say I'm in? Getting, the, getting a skinny envelope yes. from like Alcorn <laughs> yes, State. Yes. Like, Come on! <laughs> All right, let me read you some Google uh, headlines off of a Google search for J.R. Smith China. J.R. Smith okay. had ridiculous room service tab while playing in China. Remember, there we go. There he is. <laughs> remembering when J.R. Smith was the MJ of China, and J.R. Smith spent a full season in China. It wasn't without some controversy. The Golden Bulls paid Smith $3 million, a record amount, to come over and play during the lockout. Unfortunately for Smith, he ended up giving a million dollars back to the team in the form of fines. Wow. There's like an 80% th- chance that Roth wrote some of these. <laughs> yeah. this. I mean, honestly, like the giving back a third of your salary in fines to the team that's playing you is like, even by the standards of Chinese basketball and even by the standards of J.R. Smith, like you simply must tip your cap. <laughs> Well, he is David Roth from the <laughs> Defector. Thank you guys, I appreciate it. David, as always, we appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. Yeah, beat the Giants. Beat the Giants. Get the Giants. Nice. Oh, boy. For Christ's sake. You're just yelling at everybody yes. who comes on to, to beat, beat the, the Giants. Giants. What are the Dodgers? Still three and a half back? <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. <laughs> Two and a half. We're just, in it. We're in it. It's, beat the Giants. Yes, beat the Giants. All right. Coming up next. <laughs> the one Mets fan he knows. <laughs> yes. It's actually, that's true. And you're going to be excited about this fake chicken story.
Put it in the rundown. I, I tried to make us go as long as possible so that way we wouldn't have to. We wanted him to earn it, as we do with every position. We felt he has. The last uh, nice performance was it was good, obviously not great, but we you know, didn't run the ball very well. But I kind of in my mind had that as a, after the second preseason that we kind of have to get someone ready to play in three weeks. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, here's the best fake chicken story I think we've had. Uh, chicken Derby, if you're not aware, I own, me and a friend own about 30 fake chickens. Eventually, they're going to race each other, and it's going to be phenomenal. We're going to be rich. They're NFTs that are going to race each other. Somebody in the last 48 hours bought 332 fake chickens for a cost of $716,000. Ed, how are you today? Are you doing all right? Doing okay. Well, sixteen innings with a big win. That so you were you were up pretty late. All right, that's that's no no. I get I get that it was like it was tough to like late. Do, yeah, I mean half a million dollars, more do, than half a million. Don't engage him. Do <laughs> not engage him. Just and just ignore him. Dollars. Here's I the just, thing. I can't believe someone does this stuff. We can't okay, figure out it, what his plan is. But just ignore him. We can't figure out what his plan is. Why would somebody spend $716,000 on fake you engage chicken? Tyler, the more he's going to keep bringing there's this up. There's no way. There's no way that whoever bought these chickens has the ability to actually race and manage these chickens. Is there any way he has the ability to get his money back? I mean, he could sell them all, yes. Over time. Yes. He could absolutely. I mean, he could just simply sit on them. And sell them in the Whoa. future, hoping that the They're price chickens, goes up. Man, you don't sit on chickens, right? But there's no way he can legitimately have 332 chickens and think he is going to manage and race them. Like oh, it's, just... it's impossible for that to even happen. So the people who created the game get the 716 grand? No, no, no. This was because he bought them from people who already. Oh, bought these the aren't chickens. new chickens. These, these are... are not new chickens. I don't. I don't so like get it. he he went and you bought. Keep engaging. 332 <laughs> chickens. Yesterday I'm told all the people. time that people, especially in this town, I'm told all the time because people will buy stuff. And I'm like, I, I just don't get it. I'm told all the time. Well, when you have that kind of wealth. You just spend it on stupid things. And I, I do hear it a lot in this town because a lot of people in this town with money, right? A lot of money. And yet I'll hear a story like that. I Again, I always go to, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. I could be worth millions I'd never paid. I would never do that. I, would, I wouldn't have 30 cars, wouldn't have 20 houses. So when I hear something like this, no matter how much money I could ever have, like it would never enter my mind. I might do the horses and the chickens for fun. Like I might like do, right, exactly. I might do that, but I would, I just wouldn't spend that much money. I, yes. I'd give it away. I just, who needs money? I, I'd do that more than I'd buy fake chickens. I think even if you had billions and you were interested I, I in would, the fake chickens, you wouldn't no. buy 332 no. of them. Because here's the thing. If you have billions, usually, not always, but usually you're a pretty smart person. And to get to be billionaire... I wouldn't then be dumb enough to buy $700,000 in fake right. chickens, right? Like, I hope this is massively successful, and I hope this guy makes $3 billion right. off the chickens, because then I'll make some money, too. But there's no way this was smart. What is he doing no. with that much money in fake chickens?